Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Corey. All right, so here's the deal. Um, I woke up at 5 o'clock, I'm talking like, bam, stood up straight onto the floor, ready to go, could have preached, I hadn't even had coffee yet. Um, I had to wait till 9 o'clock. I am freaking pumped to be here, all right? I handwrite my notes. I usually have about 16 pages of those. I have eight, and I didn't use them, and I'm not even going to waste my time with them now, all right? So here's the deal. God completely just started kicking in some doors or like closets where I wanted to try to like hide some stuff 10 days ago on a Thursday because I had that book to Jessica reference still away home sitting on my shelf for three years and never picked it up. See, but before that, what happened is I knew where we were going to go because we plan out our preaching like we know, like we know where we're going to be preaching. If you like really need to know, we could tell you exactly what we'll be preaching on some Sunday in September. Like we, we know. Um, so like I started reading Psalm 100 three weeks ago and it's, I mean, we've read it, right? It's talking about make a joyful noise to the Lord, serve the Lord, come, come into his presence with singing and all this stuff about worship. I can't sing to save my life. Okay. You can just ask Mark Hanna because see what happens with these mics is he can mute me right now and you can't hear me, but anyone who has an inner ear monitor in can. And so last time I preached, I forgot to turn this thing off. So I'm sitting right there in the front row and I'm just singing my heart out. Y'all can't hear me, but Mark's trying to lead you, and all he can hear is my horrible voice is not in tune singing, okay? And so, like, when I looked at this text, I thought, I'm the last person who should be preaching this. Like, Jeff should be up here preaching this, because, like, he gets worship. He knows singing. He could talk to you all about that and break it down. I don't know how I'm going to preach this. I just knew I would study it, read, you know, and, and go. But then I picked up that book, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I get it now. Like, I started reading it on a Thursday mid-afternoon. I didn't put it down until after the Super Bowl. Like, I stopped long enough to, re- you know, to do life and, and watch the Super Bowl, and I picked it back up and finished it so I could give it to Jessica the next, next day. And it just, I mean, it wrecked my life. And, I, and I'll get to the book, and I'll talk about it, but, like, God is just doing so much, and we're going to talk about it. But what I want to do first is I want to break this text down, and, and I want you to see the structure of it, because the Psalms are not just some sentences written just because. Like, it has a flow to it. It's poetry, there's songs, and there's structure to this. And so it's very, very important that we see the structure behind this because it's going to speak a volume of truth to you so you can process all that I'm getting ready to lay on you. And you done saw. I just put my notes away. I'm not even messing with it because I don't don't care. Like, I'm just going to let God do what he does. So, all right, let's just read this, okay? And this is what it says. It says, This is verses 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So here's what we have, okay? It's going to be on the screen. You got verses 1 and 2. They're they're giving you actions and feelings that you should feel, 
And so I think there's a slide with that. They even just So there's feelings and there's actions. It's telling you to be joyful. It's telling you to make a noise to God. It's telling you to, to serve with gladness, to come into his presence with singing. Like there's a lot going on there. It's, it's a command. It's not just saying you, you might want to do this. You ought to do this. You should consider this. It's telling you, go, go do this. This is what you need to go and do. And this is how you should feel when you do it. But if we're real about it, some of us don't feel that way sometimes. Like, we're like, I don't want to sing, not because you can't like me. I don't want to make a joyful noise. I don't really want to serve the Lord. I don't, I don't want to. And you're just like, so what do I do? How do I handle that? Well, verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So here, here's what verse 3 is. It's a, it's a truth to support those feelings and actions. It's a true, it's truth there that support these feelings and actions. So there's a structure. If you, if you had with me like in English, you'd have like, you have verses one and two and then you would indent over and it had, I, I drew this out on the notes I'm not using and like a little line going to it to show you like this is supporting this. It's holding this up. It's giving you reason to do this because of these truths. And so the steal away home or what we've been saying now for the past two months is to get to the feet of Jesus is so that you can preach these truths to yourself so you can go and make a joyful noise to the Lord, to all the earth, to serve the Lord with gladness, to come into his presence with singing. You can't do that if you don't believe these truths. You can't, you won't, and you're not going to do it. You can try to fake it for an hour here, and God bless you for trying, but you're wasting your time. Like, you're wasting your time. So now verse 4, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Man, that sounds awesome to do, but not when you're in depression, anxiety, stressed out of your mind, bank accounts about broke, kids don't know how to act, can't get along with your spouse, everything's all just jacked up, and you're like, I, don't, I can't, can't enter. I'm not thankful. I'm not praising because I'm really just pissed right now, and I'm just being really real with you. I... I, I yeah, we got a newcomer's lunch. You might talk to Corey or Jeff and say, this ain't the church for me. That dude's nuts. <laughs> so give thanks to him. Bless his name. You're like, I can't, I can't do it. Well, guess what? Back to this thing. Verse, verse four, feelings and actions that you need to feel. Well, you want to know why you should feel them? Verse five, it's so good. For the Lord is good. Steadfast love endures forever. And his, faithfulness, and his faithfulness to all generations. Like, take that in. The Lord is good. He is good. Like, hear me, he is good. Like, he is not against you. He's not bad. He is not negative. He is good. He loves you. He's faithful to you. He endures forever. He's not going to give up on you. So when you're sitting there and you're like, I can't do these things, and you got you to gotta steal away. You got to get to the feet of Jesus, and you got to preach those things to you. You just got to sit in it, that truth. And that was what my week looked like, okay? So let's rewind back to Thursday, not a few days ago Thursday, but Thursday like 10, 11 days ago, whatever it was, and I pick up this book, I start reading it. Friday, then I have a counseling session. Corey and I see the same counselor. We don't go at the same time. We're not to the point of couple counseling yet. <laughs> We might get there one day. I talked about the building in the last sermon and how um, pastors, on average, just a statistic, will leave a year after a building campaign. 
a year after the building campaign. So like maybe like six months from now, we're gonna, me and Corey and Jeff will all just be sitting over this counselor's office in St. Louis trying to bring it all back together. I don't know. But I go to counseling and he, and it doesn't matter what we were talking about. It's personal, so I'm not getting that deep into it. But like he, he looked at me and this dude's so blunt and I, I appreciate it. He just, because I'm pretty blunt, he goes, what you're dealing with, if you, don't let, if you don't give that to God, basically, and like let him work on that and do what he does and massage all that out and fix it, he goes, your ministry is hamstrung. I was like, dude, dang. Like He just punched me in the face. And then Jesus is like, yeah, but I love you, and I got you. Like He brought me in. Like he's like, yes, he's right. Your ministry is, is crippled a little bit because you got this going on. And it's like Jesus just kicked open this closet with like this darkness in it that I, I wasn't wanting to deal with. Sometimes I actually would prefer to go sit in that closet with the darkness because I would be selfish and sinful. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to kick that open. And so then we come here last week, and I mean, Corey just killed it with a sermon. It was speaking to me, and I was reading this book, and, and God is doing so much and revealing things to me. And then Monday morning, I had to go to Arizona, and this is all going somewhere, I promise. And I know I have no notes, so you don't, don't trust me. But um, Monday morning, like, I'm not late to anything. I, I hate being late. If you are late, it gets on my nerves. I told you that three weeks ago, last time I preached. Like, I don't like being late. I'm on time, if not early, to everything I do. My, my flight was going to board at 6 a.m. My alarm was set, plenty of time to drive myself. I didn't wake up till 5.25. I'm running through the house, through the house, trying to get clothes, get them thrown on. Like, I'm, I'm a weirdo about, like, ironing everything I wear, okay? So, like, I didn't get to iron my clothes. Like, they were sitting on the ironing board, and I'm, like, grabbing them. I'm getting dressed and, and like, by the laundry dining area. And Emily's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to go to the airport, try to catch this flight. She goes, I'll drive you because I was just going to park myself. We left our house at 535. I got there at 555. I live a, not even a mile from here, so just imagine like how fast we got to that airport. No one in the security line, bless the Lord. You know how it zigzags. So you got me dragging a bag, sprinting through this. <laughs> I get there. Every time I go to the airport, I get patted down. I'm talking not just like this. I'm... They've asked me, would you like to go in the other room for this? And I said, no, man, I'm, I'm going to be around my wife for a week, so give me the best you got. <laughs> and just, but this time, nothing, nothing. They just let me go through. I look up, there's my gate. Bless the Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm making it in time to get boarded. I'm in the A group because I'm bougie and um, I'm, I'm on my flight. So here's where it goes, though. Like, I'm thinking through this text still. And like Tuesday night, Maybe it's Monday, it's Monday night. I'm on the phone with a church member, talking to them about spiritual warfare, stuff they got going on. Um, I'm getting text messages from some of you about stuff going on in your lives. And then, so then Wednesday night, I, I get back like at 12.30, Wednesday morning basically, um, from Arizona. It's a great time for meetings there and getting to hear about church planting out in Phoenix. But then I get back, and, and Wednesday night, I'm sitting at people's houses, like people who dealing with literally physically being attacked and getting part of their ear bit off as they drove a lift car. So praying with people with miscarriages. Um, we go to a marriage retreat this weekend. And I could look at some of y'all's faces Friday night and Thursday or Saturday morning. Some of you guys are hurting. You're hurting. Like your marriage is hanging on by a thread. 
And you might, that might have been like the last hope you had. It's like, I'm going to go this. I hope this works it out. I hope this works out. Like, this is all, I, I don't know what else to do. And then last night, phone calls, text messages, because there's stuff going on, there's stress, there's all this. And I say all this because here's the deal, man. We got some cool stuff going on in our church corporately. We just bought a building, right? Like we just bought a building. We're going to be moving into it. That's why I referenced this building thing. And, and, you know, in a year, who knows, right? Like, we'll all be here. I'm just joking. I'm, I'll talk about that in a second. But we're going to do this. We've got this building going on. Financially, the church is solid. There's always new people coming every single Sunday. Like, there's stuff to be excited about if you're part of Heights community. Like, there's no doubt. If you're not excited, it's just because then you, you're like an Eeyore and you can't get excited about anything, right? <laughs> so... Like, but individually, are you doing okay? Because it's really easy to come here and fake it for an hour. I, I say it all the time. Corey says, like, you can come up here and put a face on. Some of you are really good at even faking it for two more hours later in the week of your missional community. You don't want to talk about it. You're the one that sits back in the, in the corner and, you know, like, where no one can see you and the way the room's set up. So like the person who's leading the conversation kind of can't see you and they don't, and you're quiet and you never get engaged. So you don't have to talk about really what's going on in your life and how everything's really, really messed up. Like that's hard. Cause like when I, you know, before I could even deal with everything else going on, just pastoring you, which I love to do. Like I had to get home and we have our own issues going on in our home. And I just looked at my wife and I told her, I said, listen, I don't have an answer anymore. I really don't. I don't have an answer to what's going on with the situation. But I know this from Romans 8. For God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. I just kept telling her that. He's working all this together for the good of those who love him. We lo- you love him, right? Yes. Cool. I do too. I don't know. He's sovereign. He's good. Tells us here that for the Lord is good. Steadfast love endures forever. Like, that's the truth. I just had to steal away to Jesus. I had to t- stop her in our bedroom. We had the door shut, so no kids. And I was like, I don't know anymore. I'm out of answers. I'm out of solutions. I like to fix stuff. I don't have any answers. I don't have any solutions. I can't fix it. And just do what we can do and look at Jesus. That's it. That's all there is. And then, I, you know, and for all of us, like, if you're going through your own thing. You've got your own stuff going on. You're like, I, I don't know what to do. You've got to stop and preach this to yourself. That's the, I, for you note takers, I'm sorry, the big idea. We'll, we'll throw it up here. <laughs> Kelly's one step ahead of me. We must steal away to Jesus and remind ourselves of his glorious truths. You have to. You have to do it. Otherwise, this life is chaotic and a mess. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just too messy to be like, oh, I got this figured out. You don't have it figured out. Like, I'm telling you, staying up here, like, I, just because I'm a pastor, I don't have it all figured out. Like, things are hard. Like, I make mistakes. I, I struggle with, did I make the right decision? Did I do this? And then I look at it, and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I can really come and serve with gladness. And then so I, I, as I was reading that book, it, it's giving this book, uh, Steal Away Home. It's paralleling Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who many of you probably have heard of. Some of you maybe not, but so Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preaching is his nickname. He, he had a church in London in the 1800s, over 12,000 people. I mean, that is an amazing mass of people who would come to a church in that time frame. They had to keep finding bigger buildings and things and concert halls and all this to just even have church. And then you have Thomas Johnson, 
who was born into slavery on a tobacco plantation in Virginia in the 1800s. And so as you read this book, it parallels their lives. And here there's so many commonalities between them. And what you see is you see that they both their whole life dealt with depression and anxiety and the fear of just darkness, evil coming in on them. Even as kids, they both tell similar stories of just this fear coming upon them and almost like overwhelming them where they couldn't breathe. Charles Spurgeon would lay in his bed terrified as a child because there was just all this weight. He felt like he was sitting on his chest, like he couldn't breathe. He didn't know what to do. And then you, you know, like if you read the book and you know anything about Charles Spurgeon, like his grandpa's a preacher. He lived with his grandpa about three quarters of the time because his parents had so many kids, they couldn't afford to raise all the kids. So Charles would go stay with his grandparents and his grandpa's a preacher. His dad back where they lived, like a, a 30 miles away, which is a long ways back then by horse. Like he was a preacher. And so like he, it was, he knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus. He knew a lot about Jesus, but he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so all this fear was always mounting him. And one night, He's traveling back from his parents' house to his grandparents' house, and a storm comes in. And that darkness, that storm, that, that terrified him because he just he connected that to evil. And so as he's going, the horse, the, the front feet of the horse get stuck in the mud, and, and everything just goes flying forward, and he falls, and there's books everywhere, and his bags, and just everything. It's a mess. And he, he's so angry, he's so afraid, he starts cursing at God. He's just furious of like, why? He's just, this distress is on him so much. And he, he finds a barn, and he gets to the barn, and he, and he goes in there for the night, and then he picks up his stuff the next morning, and he travels to his grandpa, and he, and he goes to church. And there's a uh, pastor there, a traveling like, speaker that's came to speak at the church and is staying at his grandpa's house that night. And they go, and he sits, and he talks to Charles, and he shares the gospel with Charles. And, and Charles comes to know Christ. And then really the rest is sort of history, but we'll get to it in a minute because there were some ebbs and flows of his adult life too. But then you have Thomas here, on the other hand, who has no mom, has no dad. They both either have died or were gone, sold away to some other plantation. All he has is Ezekiel, who's like a father figure to him, who then that one night, like Jess described to us, sees these slaves sitting in a circle. They can't sing the song out loud because they'll get beaten. And some of you maybe feel that way. Like, I can't come in here and sing out loud, but I, I'm going to try my best to whisper it because I feel beaten down maybe. And so Charles or uh, Thomas gets saved. He becomes a Christian. He puts his faith in Jesus. He doesn't just say some stuff. There's a transfer of his trust in himself to Jesus. And his whole attitude towards even being a slave changed. It's, it's crazy. He comes back from the Civil War. He's now free. And he comes back to the plantation, finds the owner's wife sitting in a bedroom, bawling her eyes out. She pulls a gun on him. And he just takes a gun and puts it down and he just embraces the lady who condoned all of his beatings because Jesus had changed his heart. He goes on to be a pastor. There's a family in his church in Chicago then that says, hey, we're going back to London and we know that you want to get education. We want to get you into Charles Spurgeon's college for pastors. They get him into that school. You want to know why he wanted to get educated? Because he wanted to go back to Africa so he could preach the gospel to people of his own native land who had never heard of Jesus. So when he looked at his slavery, he saw God's sovereign hand taking him and placing him from Africa to America to be a slave, to get saved by the gospel, radically transformed so he could then go back and tell them about Jesus. Otherwise, they may have never heard. And here's the deal. If you're not preaching these truths to you, you can't see that God's doing all this, working all things together for your good. 
You can't see it if you don't stop and steal away to Jesus and sit at his feet. And here's the crazy thing. Both of those men, through their whole lives, they have struggle after struggle, sickness, death, Charles Spurgeon, spurts of three weeks plus, laying in bed with depression, overwhelming him, and gout just destroying every joint in that man's body. And then his friend Thomas would come along, and they would whisper that song, steal away to Jesus together just to steal away. And then that question that Ezekiel asked Thomas years, decades before that, have you stolen away to Jesus today? I said it last week in the announcements about your marriages and just everything. The reality is this, is that Satan has a mark on you, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. If you're, if you're a Christian, his goal is to do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy you. For me, I know, like, okay, we're entering this building thing. In a year from now, statistics say that Corey or I or Jeff would probably be gone. I ain't letting it happen. I'm going to steal away to Jesus because I'm not going to let him get that mark on me. I don't want to. I got about 25 to 28 more years of doing ministry, and God willing, it's all going to be right here. I'm going to keep charging the gates of hell. I'm just going to keep going and going and going until... God's like, you're, it's enough, you're too old. Just sit down and let the, next, let, let the next guy come up. But I'm going to have to steal away to Jesus to do that because he wants to still kill and destroy. And so you're like, well, I'm not a pastor. What's that mean for me? Well, if you're here and you're a Christian, I promise you, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your kids, your marriage, your finances, your brain, what desires you have. He wants to rip you to shreds. If you're not a Christian, God help you. I don't really have a whole lot to say except for you, like, not just say you're a Christian just so you can feel like you're okay. Like, God help you, literally. If, you, if you're like, man, I don't, I don't want a relationship with Christ, Satan's got you. He's got you here, and your life may go okay, but I promise you, because the Bible says it and it's true, eternity awaits, and you will spend eternity with Satan and his demons because that is the wrath of God that will be poured out on sinners who have, not, who have rejected his free gift of grace. So it's not on the screens, but I want to read from John, 4, or John 10 to you because it really connects to this talking about God and being a shepherd there in Psalm 100. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way? That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We'll stop right there. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about his believers. He's talking about his followers. He's talking about them knowing his voice. You can't know his voice if you haven't stolen away and got the feet of Jesus. You're not going to know his voice. You're going to know the voice of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and CNN and Fox News and whatever else you want, crap you want to fill your head with. That's, what, that's the voice you're going to know. He goes on, Stranger, they will, not, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, 
this is Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You guys hear that? Hear that today for real. Like, you've got to stop and hear his voice. If you're a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, you've got to slow down and listen to him. Like, things are going great for our church. But I know, like, what some of you all are dealing with is not a joke. Like, you can just shrug it off and be like, oh, I'm going to be okay. You're not. You're not going to be okay if you just think that, oh, it all work itself out on its own. He will work it out. Know his voice. Enter his gates. Listen to him. Hear from him. So we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to pray. But I want you to, like, think this through for a second. Because here's the, here's the deal. We've got some of you in this room I know are, you're, you're truly born again, blood-bought believers of Jesus Christ. You've given your life to him. You trust him with everything in you. You love him so dearly. But you, you do. You face ups and downs and struggles. It all comes at you. I'm asking you, just, even if it's 30 seconds as we take communion, just steal away to Jesus and remind yourself of the truth. Just remind yourself of the truth that he loves you. He's good. He's faithful. He's steadfast. He's working all things together for your good. There's some of you in this room who are convinced that you are a Christian. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I don't know, but you've convinced yourself for so long that you are because you've been a church attender and you've done some good things, but in all reality, you've never given your life to Christ. You're just a good person. You're nice to folks. You'd help a homeless guy. That doesn't make you a Christian. Have you listened to Jesus' voice? Would you know his voice if you heard it? Man, like stop and think about that. And then here's the deal. Some of you in this room, you flat out know you're not a Christian. You haven't maybe even given any thought to being a Christian. But I'm going to urge you. If you think that like what Satan could do here is something, is bad, God's wrath that awaits people who reject his grace is way worse. And so we're going to take communion. For those of you that are believers in Christ, I ask you to take communion with us. For those of you who are not, just examine your heart. Like, ask God, like, wh- where am I at? What do I need to do? Like, how does this work? Romans 10, 13, 10, 13 says just to cry out to the Lord. And anyone who cries out to the Lord will be saved. Like, you just say, God, I, I trust you. I'm done trusting in anything else. I trust you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to read this from about concerning communion, and then I'm going to pray. And I just want you to respond to the gospel. If you're not a believer, man, I just encourage you, like, today might be the day you give your life to Christ and just follow him. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians concerning communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim his death. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for each and every person in this room, those of you who are watching on Facebook or YouTube or however you're hearing this. Lord, I just pray that for those of us who are in you, we are in Christ. Lord, help us to slow down, to hear from you, to know your voice because you are the good shepherd. You are faithful. You are steadfast. You love us, and you are there for us, Lord. God, when we're hurting, when we're struggling, Lord, I pray pray that you mend us. You put people in our lives who are bold enough and strong enough and loving enough to speak truth, to just kind of kick those doors of sin open that we try to keep locked for so long. 
And God, for those in this room that are struggling in their faith or questioning if they're really a Christian, Lord, I pray that you give them clarity. And God, for those who are in this room who know they're not believers, Lord, I pray that you convict their hearts. You ask them, Lord, to come into your relationship with you, that you will save them, you will transform them into new creations, as your word says. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.